I want to thank everybody first for, who came out yesterday and helped in the Millar's house clean up. And day, thank you, of course. It was a wonderful day, but a lot got accomplished. It's amazing that, you know, mulch, I don't know if it does this for you, reminds me of Shakespeare, of the play. Mulch to do about nothing. No? You don't think that when you do mulch? No? I do. And, yeah? Absolutely. 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 There was many people praying and, and would have loved to have been there. The other thing we were thinking about, those of us were uh, putting our hands into thorn bushes and pulling out leaves and weeds and stuff like that. We thought, could there be a, possibly be a spiritual application to this? You know, and actually I thought of one today. <laughs> Believe it or not. <laughs> this, this, if you don't know, this is my wife and she likes to make fun of me and laugh at me during this time. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which is okay because it makes me feel better when she laughs. <laughs> Instead of looking at me like this. <laughs> you know, sometimes in life, we kind of have to put our hands into some messy, hurtful things in order to reach people. It's going to hurt. And if you look at my arms today, they have scars up and down them of rip marks, you know, and it's going to leave a mark on us in order to reach the world. It's just going to. Look at the marks they left on Jesus. Look at the marks they left on Jesus. So let us not be afraid to put our hands in some tough, hurtful places in order to reach those that need to be brought out of those places so they can breathe and so they can receive Jesus Christ. Amen? Okay. Okay, we're going to do something. We are finally, believe it or not, after many, many months, concluding our five-fold ministry series. Believe it or not, we, this is, we've been a long time. I don't even know how long we've been. But it's been taking a long time. And if you're new to us, why it's taken us such a long time is that we've had three different teachers teach about every different gift. And it's been wonderful. We've learned a lot. I have learned a lot. We've been challenged a lot. But today, we thought maybe we, just, we would conclude the series on teaching with all of us doing it together. So I'm going to ask my panel of experts to come up. I have two experts. <laughs> <laughs> I have my panel of experts to come out. If they want to sit, they can sit. You know, the thought that went through my mind yesterday at Tim and Jenny's when we were picking all those leaves and, and different things was, Mama, I'm going to be good from now on. I'll never be good. <laughs> <laughs> which, I, which I said I, I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> he knows me. Yes, I, and I know me. Um, so... I was thinking, Jesus in the Gospels is called teacher about 42 different times. And about 15 to 17 times he's called rabbi, which is the Hebrew equivalent of teacher. So teaching is pretty important to Jesus. In, in Mark 6, verse, I'm going to start in verse 30. He's about to feed the 5,000. And he just sent out the 12 disciples to go heal people and cast out demons and all kinds of stuff. And they're just coming back to report to him. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they have done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. I love how Jesus is teaching them there how to, how to take a rest. 
how to take a rest. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And so they went away into the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there afoot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. And when he went ashore, talking about Jesus, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And what that impressed on me so much was the heart of a shepherd is to teach. Because of compassion. So the heart of a teacher is to have the same kind of heart. To have a shepherd's heart. To have a heart that will teach people many things. So, I'm going to ask Mike and Michael, if they wouldn't mind, whoever wants to go first, to share their thoughts about what a teacher is. They've had many weeks to to teach us many wonderful things. And I'd just like you guys to maybe just share for for a while what you think this this wonderful gift of teaching is and does for the church. I stand up so I can be seen. (laughs) Put this down a little bit. I can see Christine's smiling face, too. I went for a walk this week about 18 miles, 18 to 20 miles, and I was thinking about this subject. And and Jesus is such the perfect example of every one of those gifts. So as I thought about Jesus as a teacher, what makes a good teacher, what came to my mind was a little bit of what Jay was just saying. Uh, Love of topic, passion for the topic. And in Jesus' case, the topic is his Father. Mm. And so this passionate, intimate love of the Father comes through in a way that includes a passionate love for the audience that he taught, that he spoke to. So this knowledge of topic, love of topic, passion for topic, which is a person. And then the communication style. The ability to relate to your audience in terms that they can connect with. For Jesus, it dealt with bread, it dealt with water, it dealt with sheep. The use of everyday kinds of examples to make a connection. And then there was also a boldness. I love about Jesus that he is remarkably bold in the face of religious orthodoxy. He does not refrain from speaking boldly. And not only that, he allows questions. He allows bold questions. There is this interaction. He is not a teacher who says, sit down, I'm going to do a brain dump on you, and I'm going to give you a very long sermon, and you sit there. It's, it's pretty interactive. He'll take whatever questions, sometimes unex, unintended. These are challenges from Pharisees and Sadducees and people uh, who are, want to expose him. Uh, but the truth has a way of standing fast. So I think in terms of teachers uh, that have the gift of teaching, there are these components that include boldness both in terms of the, of the willingness to challenge existing orthodoxy as well as to allow themselves to be challenged and to be questioned as well. Usually when I'm getting ready to come up and speak, I, I usually go online 
and I look and see what other people say about these topics. But I felt like, well, I've been a teacher for all my life, and I really shouldn't have to look and see what other people are saying. Mm -hmm. So let me see, you know, what, what does teaching mean to me? Because I've spent my life doing it. And I was thinking of uh, it's really imparting knowledge, understanding of uh, hard concepts, things, things that are not necessarily easy for people to understand. Of course, this means that you need to have a thorough knowledge and understanding yourself before you can do this. Uh, it, when, when we're preparing up here to teach uh, or to preach, we, we really do have to do a lot of studying because there has to be that, to, for me anyway, to do it. I, I have to have a thorough understanding to bring that out to somebody else. And as Michael said, Jesus is really our example in this. He had the ability to take very hard concepts and simplify them so that we could understand what he was talking about. You know, the, the kingdom of heaven is like, you know, and then he'd give some very pertinent examples of everyday life so that people could actually see what, well, what's heaven really like. The greatest parable, I, th I think, was the parable of the prodigal son. And, you know, if, if, God, if Jesus came down and just said, the father loves you, well, that does have meaning to it, but we might have different ideas and concepts of what love really means. Mm. But when you hear the story of the prodigal son and how the father was out there day after day looking for his son, yearning for his son to come back to him, you really get an idea of how much the father loves us. And, of course, that's not the whole picture, but it is a, a very important part of the picture. So I think a teacher has to be able to simplify things so that people can understand hard concepts, concepts that are very, very hard to, to just get across. They're not the type of concepts where you can stand up and just say, this is it. You know, either you get it or you don't get it. So a, a good teacher can bring those things down into some very simple things with some good word pictures, good examples, so that when we're done, you really say, oh, yeah, I get that. I really understand that. And that's the joy of teaching, because when somebody says, oh, yeah, now I get that, that's, that's what means everything to a teacher. Okay. There is, I was trying to think also of the difference between teaching and preaching. And I know there's, there's some thin lines there, you know, where they cross over. And I, I, I thought the best example would be, and, and you have to excuse the people who are new because you haven't heard Jay and I and Michael preach, but when Jay preaches, he's a, he's a preacher who also teaches. I think when I preach, I'm a teacher who also preaches. So I think there's a little bit of a difference from kind of like the angle that we come at certain things. Of course, Michael, where you fit into this, I, I think you're just a deep thinker who makes us think. You know, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the, way I, the way I see you. Why do you say troublemaker? <laughs> <laughs> you said it, not me. <laughs> 
Okay, and I think that's as much as I, sh I should be saying so far. I, you know, I have a question for both of you, and, and I think you touched on this when, when you were sharing this. So what do you both think is at the heart of this gifting that God has given us for the church? What do you think is at the really heart of it all? It's easy for me. It's God's love, and that God's love comes forth to, to everyone in so many different aspects because you can't, you can't say just God loves us, and, and that's it. it it's it's not enough. There's so many different aspects to, to God's love that as we're teaching different concepts within the kingdom of God, it, it just keeps coming out over and over and over again. That he loves us, he yearns for us to have a relationship with him, and he looks forward to us spending eternity with him. Yeah, I echo Mike's thoughts as well and in terms of when we see where that passage is in Ephesians. We have that equipping of the saints for the work of service, whatever God is asking us to do. That's what these gifts are for. These are all servant gifts to mm -hmm. help us do whatever God asks us to do until we all arrive in the fullness of Christ. Mm. We get to be like him with that compelling theme in Ephesians of unity. Mm. Of what these brothers are shared for, is there any questions that come to your mind about teachers? Uh, in that element of teaching, I, I always look at teaching as the ability to get to know something, or in this case, someone. Mm. Uh, the, the more we get to know God, who he really is, um, the more his love um, transforms us, and the more we fall in love with him. So I look at an aspect of teaching as getting to know him more. Yeah, and I think, you know, one aspect of a teacher that, that I didn't touch on is an example. Being an example, it would be painful to be found a teacher who was not a good example of what he or she taught. And so this opportunity that's there for any of us, because we all teach. We all teach. We teach our children. We teach each other. We teach our spouses. I would be lost. My Sheila, she teaches me all the time. We, te we teach each other. And we are imperfect in our examples. And sometimes we are vastly imperfect and we blow it terribly. But there is also the tremendous encouragement where 98% of the time this individual, this teacher, is, an ex is a living example of the things that they're, that they're that's coming out of their mouths. Yeah, I think it goes one step further than that. I think it's a responsibility that we have as teachers to, to be an example of, of the things we teach. It's, you can't get up and say, do as I say, but not as I do. All right, that's not going to work. All right, that, that doesn't work on any, on any level, whether it's with your children at home as you're raising them or with, uh, you know, a, a church body. Uh, you have to be that example, as, as Michael said, or else, or else it doesn't mean anything at all. What I was going to, uh, what I was thinking is, you know, as we are all rubbing up against each other in the dailiness of our lives as we come together, as we are all teaching each other, and, and we absolutely do teach by our example, and we need to be humble enough that when we do mess up to be able to say, wow, 
I blew it. Um, but so much of when we're teaching others, I think that God uses that, that vehicle to also teach ourselves or to help us as we are teaching others to understand better perhaps why we, we didn't do something God's way or why we you know, did something in a way that we may think is right, but, but then as we are teaching others, he's revealing to our own hearts. He's teaching it right back to us. And that's this, you know, that beautiful reciprocal kind of gift because he wastes nothing and everything is connected, interconnected. And, and, and it's just amazing. So thank you, Jesus. Amen. Where does the uh, power of story come into this? That's one for you to answer, Jay. You are one of the kinds of the story brothers. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll share a story because you inspired me with, with what you learned when we were at Tim and Ginny's and about how we need to get involved in, in sometimes painful business, messy business. I remember I loved dogs. And I had a dog that was very special to me. Tyler was a red and white Siberian Husky. And I took him one day. He used to eat anything that moved. And so he went after a muskrat. And he, he got the muskrat okay, but he, he got cut up in his leg doing it. So he got some stitches and he got bandaged up. And I took, would take Tyler for a walk every single day of our relationship. And I thought, where the heck can I take this guy? Because if you know Siberian Huskies, boy, once they get going, they're gone. Uh, so Tyler and I had a very special relationship in a couple of geographic areas that were important to us. So I thought, well, and it was summertime. One of the places that we loved a great deal was the golf course, but that was in winter. In summertime, people are playing golf. So I thought, I'll take him over at night. Take him over at night. What could go wrong? Well, he could run away, that's one thing, but, but I don't think so. A skunk could get him because he has a way of getting involved in skunks. So I loaded him into what was then my brand new 2000 sparkling white new Celica with leather seats. And I loaded him in and we went to the golf course and I unloaded him. We went about 15 feet and he was nailed by a skunk. And I thought, what am I going to do? I don't want to put this dog in my car. I don't want to do this. Walking him home is out of the question. That isn't going to happen. Finally, I said, the only thing I can do is load him in my car. And we're driving home, and I mean, the stench is really bad. I say, you know, Lord, what is the lesson in this? Sometimes you have to love the same way I did. My son came right down in the midst of the stench of sin. You had to do the same for your dog. That's what we have to do. We have to be willing. We have a hard time getting to know each other. You don't know me very well. I don't know you very well. We have to become very involved and connected. We have to push through a lot of tradition and different orthodoxies to get to know each other, where we can be involved in each other's lives. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the, uh, the power in the story uh, comes in the fact that uh, you can glean so much out of a story and fit 
maybe the needs that you might have at the time. You know, usually the author of the story, whoever's telling it, has a point, you know, that they're trying to make. But it might not be the only point. We've heard uh, preaching on the prodigal son. I mean, how many different preachings have we heard, different things that you got out of that story of the prodigal son? There's not just one teaching that comes out of it. There's a a myriad of of things. And I think that's the power in the story is that... um, not everybody in here has the same needs, and yet that story might fit the various needs with, within the body itself. Obviously, you guys already touched about about you know Jesus taught in parables because it was the way that he could actually reach people where they were. And when we since you mentioned the prodigal story, that story is is my story, and we could probably all say it's probably all of our stories. But for me, it really is. Being saved at a young age, walking away and running away from the father for a few years. And then, you know, coming to my senses, because I almost died. It's a good way to come to your senses. And the day that I walked into church again, after a few years of not going, that was the sermon that was preached that day. Only God orchestrates those kinds of stories. It was the story that I needed to hear. It was the exact pinpoint conveyance of his love in the way that I needed to hear it, in the time and season that I needed to hear it, and cause my heart to fall in love with him all over again, and to walk away from the stench that I was covered with. Because I was pretty stenchy, you know, with the things that I did, the things that I rebelled against the Father, was left me incredibly stenchy. But thankfully, the story of the prodigal son is a true story for all of us. And... That teaching is a powerful, powerful teaching. So both you guys, I think, are gifted teachers. You have, you have blessed me many times with your words, your, your stories, the, the passion and the, and the purpose that you have inside your teachings. What has these teachings done for you? You talk about being an example. I'll put you on the spot a little bit. What have they done for you? And I shared a little bit during the time you were you were down south, uh, because I asked myself that question: what What difference does it make? What difference does it make? And certainly, as a teacher, and Mike, you, you spoke about this. As we prepare, as you as you search through and say, Father, help me to have good things to share with these people that I love. You grow. So that's one of the benefits of any kind of preparation, as Tim obviously knows for years and years. But in this particular series for me, it helped me to again see Father's lavish goodness. These gifts, it says in Ephesians that he gave gifts to men. He didn't say he gave gifts to those who were believers, who were saved. He gave these gifts to men. To all mankind, so that whether or not they believe in God in the current sense, in the current tense, they were benefited by the uh, presence of these spiritual giftings amongst his people. So God's lavish love. And then what they were for. You know, that they were to build us up to do whatever God asked us to do. And that that compelling theme of unity. It reinforced that in my mind, that this 
that the barriers of different doctrines, etc., there are things that are true and there are things that are higher truths. And amongst the, the highest truths I know is that God is love. A perfect love. And that that needs to be something that impacts our daily lives in everything that we do. And not to let our doctrinal differences impede the workings of his love in our lives. Yeah, I also find teaching uh, as an encouragement. It's a reminder to me of things that, uh, you know, as you go through your Christian walk, you have a tendency to forget things. (laughs) Things that I remember thinking about that years ago, you know, but I'm not doing it now. You know, so it encourages me to start doing things that it's like, oh, yeah, I should be doing that. And I'm going to have to be the example. And, and I haven't been in this area, so now I need to. So that, that's part of the, the, what the teaching does for me. Just thinking about mulch again, because I saw a lot of mulch yesterday. More mulch that I really want to see again. <laughs> Dana knows which I speak of. But you love most of <laughs> My son doesn't anymore either. But anyway, I thought about the covering that it is. How it keeps moisture in. How it makes something that was kind of raggedy looking. It just kind of coats it with some beauty. Now it's pretty ordinary stuff. It's earthy stuff. But I just thought about the, just the great love of God. How He comes and He clears out all that debris. All that stuff. And He puts this covering on us that makes us look brand new. That makes us look alive again. That keeps in the moisture. That, and I think that's what the Word of God is. I think that that's the privilege you get when, you, when you're able to teach. is that you get to, to, to cover people with the Word. You know, I use the term word doctor, and I really do think that, that people who have the gift of teaching, and all of us who do, do teach, like Michael said, we, we do teach each other, that we're covering each other with the word of God. And what better covering is there but the word of God and the truths inherent in that wonderful book that we have? It's, it's like no other covering that there, there could be. Well, you, you said covering. I, I immediately think of the blood mm. because... Uh, I think of my past, and I don't like to think of my past because mm. it's so ugly. And yet, I know it's all covered. It's all yeah. covered in the blood of Jesus. And that's, that's the neat thing. And, yeah. and that's, that's the love. You guys are from a far away. <laughs> I don't even know how far away. You're here in America, quite different from your own country, in many different ways, the way you approach this thing of Christianity. You're here now. You've just been with us for uh, just a few weeks and practically brand new. So, you have any thoughts about even the subject matter or just just the Christianity in general? What, what do you see? What would you like to tell us? You know, um, from a different perspective. Is there anything? I would say that. Uh... Yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> gotta hear, gotta hear you. 
<laughs> when it comes to uh, when it comes to God, especially when it comes to uh, putting of faith in God, one thing, no matter where you are, whichever place you are, when it comes to God, it's always about love. Mm. So it's always the love that binds. It doesn't matter which race doesn't matter what it is, but it always binds you so strong that you enjoy the fellowship wherever you are. Mm. So, and when it comes to even, I was listening to the five-fold teaching, and I've gone through those teachings <laughs> before. So, as a teacher, and now presently, teaching is a job that I never like to do, because mm. my mom is a teacher, my sister is a teacher, everyone in the family literally is a teacher. So I always said, no, Lord, I never want to be a teacher. But now I'm placing Anderson. <laughs> so I was just going, like, reflecting on, why am I there? Mm. So it's a God's way of teaching, like, it's a way of teaching me. Mm. The importance, as, as uh, Mike was saying, it's, an, it's like to be an example. Yeah. And we always know teachers are the role model to whom we have to look up to. And that is why I think I was always avoiding, I don't want to be a role Because <laughs> if I make a mistake, there you are, you are caught. You are the first one to be caught. Mm. So I see that, like, how God places you in the situations and how you take it, mm. that seems to be a teaching. It's a kind of a learning and relearning through the process. Mm. And I really feel like it's God's grace and love that brings us here. Mm. Yeah. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Just uh, in few minutes, I had some thoughts that uh, uh, the, the spiritual food that we get mm. is so different. And uh, uh, yes, I came from far, <laughs> 16 hours of flight. Wow. But anyway, uh, the food that the spiritual food is. Uh, it's such a different, but at the same time, it's a, it's a blessing that you can get this food wherever you go in the world. And uh, I'm happy that here it's so open and uh, you, can, you can go to church, you can pray without, uh, without being scared or afraid to be killed or to do something. And the thought came to me that in many, many countries, many Christians that suffer so much to be Christians yeah. <laughs> and to have an opportunity to just to go to church, to pray, to listen God's word, to experience God's love and uh, to be free. But at the same time, these Christians have much more faith, much more uh, love then maybe sometimes us who don't appreciate this, mm. this gift of being free to hear and to yeah. listen to God's word. Mm. Just Amen. Well, thank you. Thank you both. Sorry, I put you on the spot, but thank you. <laughs> Inessa mentioned food, and uh, that kind of brought to mind um, the difference between good food and bad food, uh, good nutrition, bad nutrition. Uh, so I have a question about um, false teaching. Um, how do, how should we um, view uh, false teaching, or how can we know false teaching? 
Well, the, the false teaching, first of all, how do you recognize it if it doesn't line up with God's word? Because God's word is the truth, and everything that's on the other side of that is, is false. So it's, that's the false teaching. And I, I think false teaching, it, if it's depends on you know where where are you talking about this false teaching coming from if it's if it's coming from a person then one on one you can share with that person what god's word says that's the truth and i think we have a responsibility to do that uh if it's something that's been taught like in church then it's got to be presented in front of the body of believers that 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 was a false teaching and and this is the truth, and this is what God's word says about it, and sharing scripture on it. So I, I, I think it's, to, to me, it's black and white, but uh, is there a confusion? Amen. Thank you for asking that. <laughs> because, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because one of the scariest things that I hear is the phrase, according to scripture. It sends chills down my spine because God's word, certainly in certain areas, can seem quite straightforward. But it is amazing. It is absolutely amazing how challenging it can be to reach the truth. And that's where we need each other. That opportunity to challenge each other, like I was saying, in terms of of boldness, we can present what we believe is the truth and find ourselves in listening or being challenged in listening to a sincere brother or sister in a setting that allows... Interchange? That my my word, I didn't I didn't think of it that way, or I may even, as blasphemous as this can sound, the translation of scripture has included political influences over time. When Jerome wrote the Latin Vulgate do you think he was not influenced in some ways by the Roman Catholic Church of his day? There are certain terms, other kinds of things. So, so false teaching is something that becomes almost a, an opportunity for a community project where we help each other, where we, not from a sense of, you know, a, a punishing blow or anything, but our our appetite to dig into God's Word, to find out ever closer what is the truth of Scripture in different ways. Understanding of, uh, I, I know that we have, we have different differences of thought. I will forever feel that, that God created hell out of His vast love for humanity. That if hell is needful to drive a man to Christ, to hell they will go. That your last breath is far from the last opportunity you will have to come home to Father. That would be a tremendous odds with a lot of thinking. 
but the opportunity for us to be able to see where do these different things come from? How was God's love expressed? I never saw Jesus do a single thing that didn't have a redemptive purpose. How does that play out in some of the more challenging components of Scripture? So, love the question. I just have a, you know, a thought on that. How, how do we know false uh, teachings or false doctrine or what it is? And that's why we have fellowship. You know, because I might, I might be somewhere and hear somebody say something and go, ah, you know what, man, that might be right. And, and that's, we have Bible studies and men's groups and the fellowship with the church. And I'll say that I did at the CareNet banquet, Jay, how, how do we deal with this situation? You know, because in my mind, I'm going, man, that's totally, I'm not, you know, I'm not even going to talk to those people or whatever. And then he brings, he'll say, you know, what he believes on that or has read and shared scripture. And I'll go, huh. That's right. And, and so I think that's how another way of dealing with that is that we need to, the, the students, if I can use us as the students and the teachers, it, it can't just come one way, right? I, I need to, I might hear from you and go, geez, I don't know. Let, let me go talk to Jay and then I'll come back and talk to you and say, well, and you'll go, well, yeah, I see that it's all, you know, if we just stay like this and take our what we heard from someone, and I'm, I'm using that as me from becoming saved and trying to learn. You know, so I've learned from many different people, and, and it's just through everything that, and then let me tie that all in, it's the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. right? You'll, a lot of times the Holy Spirit's dwelling within you, and you'll hear false doctrine, and you might not just like be bold and blurt out to that person they're wrong. But inside you will, and you'll be like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, yeah, nice talk to you. And you'll move on because the Holy Spirit told you, you know, mm-hmm. stop. So, Amen. That's my two cents. Amen. I'm thinking of the, uh, the book of Revelation and, you know, when Christians talk about uh, the tribulation and then some people are pre-trib believers and some people are mid-trib believers and some people are post-trib believers, I think that scripture allows for certain differences in, in that. And I don't think that, that that's false doctrine. You know, there, there are certain truths in the Bible that if you say that, that I don't believe that or that's not correct or something like that, well, that's a truth and a, or a false teaching that needs to be addressed. Then there's opinion stuff. You know, I mean, even some of the things we talked about in the fivefold ministry were it was opinion things. You know, where, you know, I believe, you know, we, we should do it this way, and somebody else believes they do it that way. But it's it's not based on a specific truth. You know, we talked Jesus Christ is Lord. <laughs> we're agreeing with that, right. and nobody's going to come and say anything different because that is the truth of the Bible. So I, I think there's a difference there between you know whether we're talking about a truth an absolute truth that's in the Bible or an opinion about, you know, when the tribulation is going to occur or something. And I think, too, that we can also get caught up in, in one terrible trap, which is Christianity at its heart is not a belief system. It is an obedience system. I am a Christian because we do what Jesus tells us to do. And there can be a trap in thinking that 
I am a follower of Jesus Christ apart from that. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ because I think the right orthodox thoughts instead of I obey my Lord and do what he says. Which I think is one of the greatest attributes uh, of a teacher. Hopefully it inspires us all to, to obey this word. You know, we just had a, we got to close up. We just, we just had a wonderful opportunity to experience what teaching is. We have all taught each other this morning. And I think that's a wonderful expression of God's love. You know, God's so interested in our story, who we are, where we came from, where we're going. And he's got it all covered. And he uses this wonderful word to teach us all. So let's, let's always hunger and thirst for more of him to, so that we can understand his word and we can teach each other. Father, we thank you for this wonderful, wonderful opportunity to, to learn more about your heart. I ask that you would bless these wonderful sons and daughters of yours, that you would give them strength, that you would give them endurance, that you would increase their faith, that you would keep them whole and you would heal their diseases, that you would come in, you would uh, transform them by the renewing of their minds, that everything that your word promises would become more and more real to us. And just thank you that you teach us all the time and that you will lead us to all truth. And in Jesus' name we pray and thank you. Amen.